Fantastic. Why don't you grab a seat? Thanks, team. My name's Graham. I'm the senior pastor. Again, I just, if you're visiting with us, we're just really honoured that you'd be with us this morning. I think it's just a great thing. I know we, we are here for not a long time, but a good time this morning because there are other good times to be had this morning, aren't there? Kids, who's unwrapped all of the presents? Who, in, who has still got some presents? All of them, Ruben, including your parents as well or all of your presents? All of Bill. Who's still got presents to wrap? Um, that was that was that was slip. That was brought in because yes, I do have still presents. Who's still got presents to unwrap though? Yeah, excellent. Oh, fantastic. Well, we uh, like I said, we're not going to linger long this morning. It is really special, I think, to come together as family. And actually, I'm going to talk for a brief time, but then we're going to do something together because I really believe in the community of faith. Um, it's much more, more significant than the things we say together or the things we do together. And so we're going to, um, on this Christmas Day, we're going to do something together that I trust is going to be really significant for us this morning. Um, we have been looking over the last uh, few weeks in the lead up. Did I introduce myself? My name's Graham. Did I say that? Who, who am I? Could someone remind me who I... What did I say? Did I get that bit right? I think I did. Yes. Um, oh, by the way, uh, who, um, who's done... Uh, who's invested a bit of time and effort into Christmas lights? You know, it's got some, who's, who's a Christmas lights person? Who's seen some good Christmas lights? You all got put to shade last night. Did you see the light show last night? The lightning was unbelievable. It was amazing. Yeah, we were driving back from the Sunshine Coast in the middle of that, and it was very close, very, very close. But it was amazing. Wow, spectacular. Um, hey, over the last few weeks in this season of Advent, we've been using the theme of O Come as a way of uh, sort of preparing our hearts for today. The fact that actually Jesus, uh, that God in the form of Jesus comes into the world. But then actually, as we see in... Firstly, the first Christmas, that nativity story, and then continuing on his life, his, his life is an invitation. He continues to say, oh, come. And uh, we've been looking, if you've been journeying with us, you'll know we've been looking at the way in which that invitation, particularly the first Christmas, was to a rather strange and unexpected, surprising group of people um, over the top, you can see there, we've got this thing, come to the table of the king. Jesus, when he's a bit later in his life, he tells this story of a king who uh, throws kind of, in the context of what would be probably one of, if not the biggest celebration of the day, a wedding feast, he issues an invitation, again, to a very surprising group of people. Such was his desire to have people come. And we see this in the life of Jesus. And so in the very first um, nativity in the very first Christmas, we see a funny group of people. We see some shepherds come who, uh, as we talked about, the smelly shepherds who were smelly physically but were smelly socially. They, they represented those who really were, um, had no social status whatsoever. We saw the wise men that, and as um, Chris talked about, that these foreigners. And what is really interesting is that, you know, we often refer to them as the wise men and they have a really 
significant part in the Christmas story. But actually, we can probably expect that not only were they foreigners, which was a big deal, they were coming from afar and again, sort of outside who would have been expected to be in there, who would have been socially expected. They were actually most likely from a different religion, yet they were seeking God. The invitation was so broad and so... uh, so all-encompassing that even when they were coming, that the fact that they were seeking truth, they were seeking the Messiah, there was a place for them. Um, And of course, we start off by looking at Mary herself, the one who was given this incredible privilege and responsibility and burden, literally, to carry God in human form, was just a a teenage, unwed woman from a really, uh, um, from Hicksville, Really, from a nowhere place as far as uh, the time of the day. And yet she was chosen, along with, with Joseph, unwed at that stage, to carry, to be invited to this incredible drama that changes history. So the invitation is surprising, which one of the points that we've been saying is, well, that's actually good news for us. That's really good news. Uh, because it seems like there's not a whole lot of prerequisites to the invitation. And as Josh looked at on Sunday, the invitation is to us. And Josh made the comment, it's actually probably worth reflecting on, well, actually, what are we invited to? (laughs) Jesus is saying, oh, come. But what are we actually invited to? And I want to focus a little bit on that today uh, before we do some things together. You know, we don't know a whole lot about Jesus after his birth. There's not a whole lot recorded until he's about 30. But at about 30, he starts to live quite a public life and said a whole lot of things where it's really clear the invitational theme, the opening up and coming, um, you know, come and be a part of what God is doing through me was very much core to what he was saying and doing. And we actually see, uh, sorry, let's turn that on, in, uh, in Matthew, again, to a group of surprising people, uh, a bunch of fishermen. If you were looking to change the course of human history, to start a movement that changed the world, you probably wouldn't start it with a bunch of fishermen. It's no offence to any fisher people here at all. Um, but again, they were just on the margins. And yet he goes to these fishermen and the essence, here we see the essence of the invitation. And what I want to just spend a few moments reflecting on this morning. He says, come, follow me. What we're invited to do is to come and follow him. And we see a little later in John, he's saying, he says of himself, I am the way, the truth and the life. Again, this idea of following, he's saying, I'm here to live a life at the centre of which is God, a a set of truths, if you like, around who God is, who you are, what life is like. And there's a way of living this life. There's a way of living this life that I'm going to illustrate. This is what it looks like when you put God at the middle. Now, the great news about this is that it's not dependent. It's not a, here's the job. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, you need to do this job and you need to live in this place and you need to earn this amount of money and you need to come from this background. It's completely independent of anything that we often associate with a way of living life. We think of 
or the way you live your life is defined by your job and where you live and who your friends are. And No, this way that he's saying, come follow me, is actually, it, it, it surpasses all of that. And again, it's got these values of God at the middle. And he says, come follow me, follow in this way. So much so, and a lot of you will be aware of this, that actually in the first century, before the term Christian was really picked up, and even that means little Christ, one who follows Christ, followers of Jesus were called people of the way. It was understood there was something going on in their life that the way these people are living their life, they're actually being defined by a way of living. It's the way of Jesus. And so the invitation is to follow Jesus. Simple. But not so much because it's actually quite uncomfortable. It's quite different. It's quite challenging his way. It's simple, absolutely. It requires so little of you. But it's, it's an unexpected way. Maybe given who he invited, who was invited to the first Christmas, we shouldn't be so surprised it's unexpected that it kind of is, it, it sort of turns the tables a bit on the way life is lived. But his followers of, he's invited to, uh, to live a life as to be followers of the way. And he says in John 10, I have come that they, you, me, us, that we may have life and have it to a full. So this way, he's saying, I've come to show a way of living life that actually in some translations you'll be familiar says it's an abundant life. It's a full life. So the invitation, and this is not, uh, it's not surprising news to many of you here, but I want to remind you again this morning, the invitation is to follow Jesus. That's the invitation. Come and follow me. Follow in this way. Work out this way of living with God at the middle in your street, in your job, in your family. But there's a way here. It's somewhat, um, well, let me say, Jesus was foretold. Again, you'll be aware that the coming of this Jesus, that God was going to come into humanity, it had been foretold for centuries before. And they actually had a term called the Messiah. The one who was going to come. And Isaiah talks about this long-awaited Jesus, says, for to us. He's prophesying about something that's going to happen that was fulfilled in that first Christmas. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders. That just means um, it's coming with a sense of authority and a sense of importance. This is significant. And he will be called... Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I want to zero in on the Prince of Peace this morning. The way of Jesus, that when he comes, when it says, when Isaiah is saying he will be called, it's saying this is the characteristic. This is what, this is who he is. He is the Prince of Peace. And that word peace, we've looked at this often. That word peace is not saying, look, when he comes, you'll have no more fights around the Christmas table about trivial matters and there'll be no more um, there'll be no more speeding fines for you and there'll be no more squabbles at work. It's not the absence of conflict. Instead, this peace, the sense is that we know the world is not right. We know we experience the world with broken relationships, with deep, deep hurts. It doesn't seem like it's the way it should be. It's not right. And here Isaiah is saying he's going to be coming and he's going to start to put things right. Our relationship with God, 
is fractured. He's going to come and find a way to put that right. Our relationship with each other is fractured. He's going to put that right. He's going to, through him, things will be redeemed. Our relationship with the earth and our role, and thank you, Peter, for reminding us, that was our first job, to tend the garden, absolutely. To be in this productive, fruitful relationship with the earth, that's broken too. And the Prince of Peace will come, and this way will be all about putting that right. Some of that's going to be fulfilled on the other side of eternity. Some of that's going to, but it's being outworked now. And the invitation, again, is in the way you can experience this deep sense of right that doesn't require everything to be fixed and right in your life, but instead you can access, the word is shalom, a sense all is well in my soul, even though things aren't quite right yet. This is what Isaiah is saying. He's going to be a part of this. And so when the shepherds come, and we looked at this a couple of weeks ago, and they announce this, sorry, when the angels come to the shepherds, they announce this, and they say, um, don't be afraid, I bring good news, great joy. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born. He is the Messiah. He's saying, the, the angels are saying, this is that. This is that. And to sort of stamp that, to underline that, because that quote from Isaiah was often, if you were... Um, part of the Jewish nation, you, you would have had that. It was like imprinted in your brain. And the angels say, at the end, glory to God in, uh, in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those. He's saying, this is that. This is the beginning or the fulfillment of that prophecy. And again, peace. So here's the thing. At a time of year when we celebrate peace, deep peace that doesn't require things to be all right and all good, when we remember that, when we mark that, why is there such a lack of it? Why actually, if anything, is this season characterised by the heightening of it? If we're honest. I want to, this morning, bring us again to a point, maybe for the first time, but I suspect not for most of us, to come back and say, there's a way. There is a way. And a path, think of it like a path. When you follow Jesus, he again is inviting you to renew and restore that path that though things are not right and broken, though things are not yet put back together, you can experience a deep sense of peace on this path. Or there's another path. And at the, at the risk of being the Grinch who stole Christmas, I'm going I'm to call one the way of Jesus and one the way of Christmas. The one, the way of cultural 21st century Christmas that maybe offers to do all of these things, but I think we know actually only heightens our sense of what is not right. The way of Christmas. <laughs> the way of Christmas just feels like this more and more where I think actually the way of Christmas is the way of the world. It's just heightened, where we self-medicate, where we say something's not right, something deep down within me. And so the way of the world is I'm going to buy my way. I'm going to consume my way to happiness. I'm going to, um, you know, party my way. I'm going to do in this season, probably because... During this season, our sense of what is not right in the world is heightened as well. This is, most of you know this, this is for us as a family, this is our third Christmas 
that we're having without uh, Chris, without Christy, my wife, the kids' parents. Um, she was the queen of Christmas in our house. She loved Christmas. And this is the third one that we're spending without her. And so for us, Christmas is different. And we'll, we'll never, in some ways, we'll never be the same. Now, we're gonna, we had a great time last night with family. We're going out with family. There's lots of good things. But you know, you know when there's deep things that are, that are broken, Christmas will bring them out. You know that because you've got those things. You know someone or you are someone who's having the first Christmas or the third Christmas or the 20th Christmas without someone, right? And you've you got to learn how to do Christmas differently. And so it, it may not be someone who's not there. It might be a broken relationship where they're, it's not that they're not there physically but they're, or they're not there here on earth. They're still here but they're not there at the table. Or sometimes even more challengingly, they are at the table. And you spend the whole day avoiding that conversation or that topic, whatever we do, don't bring up, fill in the blank. You know what I'm talking about. And actually Christmas, this season, is a series of those kind of encounters where what happens is the lack of peace comes to the surface. And so what do we do? We try and push it down and self-medicate. The way of Christmas, increasingly, and I, I really think we've reached peak Christmas in our culture. I think I've talked to a number of people about this. And actually, as a church, we're pushing back. We're going the way of Jesus. Because the complexity, all of this stuff, where we're self-medicating, all it does is maybe helps you avoid it for a moment, but then you wake up the next day with a hangover, or you've eaten too much, or you've said the wrong thing, and nothing's gone away. And there's no peace. But Jesus says, come follow me, and there is peace. See, the way of Christmas, I think, says to us, the richest person, should be is, is the one who has the most. Isn't that the way of the Christmas way? That's the way of the world. To be rich, you have the most. You have the best parties. You have the biggest spread on the table. You give the best presents. You, whatever it is, that's the way of Christmas. You have the best lights. None of these things, by the way, are wrong. Again, None of these things are wrong in themselves. But if it is the way in which you're trying to gain peace, that deep peace, it's not, gonna, it's not fulfilling you. But then there's the way of Jesus. The richest person is the one who needs the least. And what we're going to do, Athy's ready to do it right now, actually. We're going we're gonna to come around. And, and again, I'm just so thankful for, for Ali and her, her dad and Sharon as well to... Give us this. They've captured the simplicity of the way of Jesus. There's a beautiful simplicity and a humility that is so countercultural and increasingly so to the, to the way of Christmas that sort of sweeps all those things apart, sweeps all those things aside and makes us realise that actually the invitation is to come and live life differently and to follow Jesus. And so we're going to just spend some time now. I'm going to invite you to come up and in your own time, grab the elements of communion. Now, And again, we've intentionally gone for just a cracker here. We've gone for a very humble form. Originally, the communion meal was quite a feast. But there's something in the simplicity here this morning that I think there's a message in it for us. To come and use the elements that, again, remind us the way of Jesus 
is a way of sacrifice. It's a way of humility. It's a way of considering that one's life, the value of one's life is seen as its impact for others, in, in others. And so I'm going to invite you, we're going to just play some music for a while and um, don't worry about your kids. The fact that we're sort of journeying for a sense of peace in the middle, in the midst of the noise and chaos of the world and of life, that's good because that's what it's like, right? That's what it's like. We're not changing anything on the outside. We're just believing that there's a path for something deep on the inside. And that path is led and opened up by Jesus. So I'm going to invite you to come this morning in a moment. Um, You can stand or sit and just reflect on this scene, the humility with which Jesus chose to come into the world. It looks nothing like... Where's my... um, Where's my Christmas clutter gone? Can you just go back, Micah, uh, Jonah, to that? It looks nothing like that. There's a peace on offer. There's a way on offer here. And What we're also going to ask you to do after a while, um, you'll see that there's a number of flowers here. And uh, we invite you to grab a flower and come and decorate the manger. And it's a way, I guess, of you saying, I mean, you can, you can, you can there's no rules, right? There's no rules here. But what I'm going to be doing is a way of saying, actually, as I continue to follow Jesus, because boy, am I preaching to myself this morning, more so than ever this Christmas. I'm going to be grabbing this and saying, you know what? In the way of Jesus, there's life. Peace will bloom. There's beauty in it. In the simplicity and focus of following Jesus in that humility, there's life. And so I'm grabbing that and I'm going to come and bring it here and we're going to just decorate the... uh, the manger here with, with flowers, just as a way of saying we believe that this is a path that has life. It has deep peace that doesn't rely on our circumstances, but actually relies on who Jesus is. So we're just going to spend a little while doing that. Um, and after that, we're going to finish with, a, with a, a holy racket of noise as well. But right now, just we're um, in your own time, I invite you to come up, grab the, uh, the communion, just... Dip it in if you dip the cracker into the the wine. You can reflect up here, and then after that, feel free to come and grab a flower. You can do it at the same time and decorate the uh, decorate the manger. So let's do that. Let's spend a moment to again rededicate ourselves to the path of Jesus, the way of Jesus. Come follow.